Hey guys, this is uh, Kyle here, and for a long time I've been I've been wanting to start a podcast, and I, I've dabbled in a few different things, and you know wasn't really sure what um what route I was gonna take, and just the, over the couple months I've been battling with a lot of things, and uh, I just came to to this realization of what it is I want to do, and uh, so this is a new podcast I'm starting. It's called the dream chooser or dream chooser podcast and basically what i want to do is maybe twice a week you know i'm gonna pull a story from on the internet somewhere and i'm just gonna read the story to you guys and it's gonna be about someone who chose their dream and i know that that sounds crazy like what do you mean you chose your dream because uh growing up we we choose many dreams right like one of mine when i was younger was i wanted to be batman like i i thought it would be i was always running around with Batman toys and everything and that was my dream but in reality like that's unattainable I was never going to become Batman my parents weren't going to be murdered after a trip you know to the theaters and I wasn't going to inherit billions of dollars so was it a dream yeah but was it a possibility no I had I had talked to somebody in uh, a few days ago who's over over 30 and he, we were talking about dreams, you know, and he was like, yeah, but I couldn't go be a Navy SEAL right now. And I was like, no, you can't because they don't allow anyone under 30 to join the military. So it's not a like, yeah, you could have that dream, but it's never going to happen. It's, it's uh, unattainable under a circumstance that is not necessarily your fault. But do we let circumstances that aren't our fault alter what our dreams are? Think about that for a second. You know, a lot of us, um, it's really easy for us to be like, why, why this? Why does this always happen to me? You know, why, why, why does my car always break down? And trust me, I know the way that feels. I feel like, as much as I love cars, I feel like I got just as soon as my hands hit the keys, then that car's cursed because I've gotten brand new cars from the lot that I paid a lot of money for that did not run good. You know, and I've got just, it's just a story of my life. You know, it's, it's my pile of poop. And what I mean by my pile of poop is I have a good friend who told me if there's a street and there's a pile of poop in the middle of the street and on the other side is $10 million, but you have to eat that pile of poop. How fast will you eat that pile of poop to get to that $10 million? Think about that. See, we all have our goals or our dreams, but there's a pile of poop that we have to get through in order to get to those dreams. And and that's not my quote or my analogy. That's one of my one of my mentors, one of my best friends' analogies. But it 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 is so true. Because most people they want to live in the glory days. They were a high school football star, straight stud. And now you know, we're young adults, we have jobs and kids and spouses and all kinds of things going on, but we still want to act like it's the glory days. We still want to talk about what could have been. See, just because your dream didn't work out for you in high school doesn't mean you can't still chase your dreams. I wanted to make it to the NFL and not like one of those kids that was just like, yeah, it'd be cool to play in the NFL, but I had a passion for football which I still have today. I just don't get to play it. I woke up, I set my alarm 
to turn on ESPN every morning. And I'd wake up an hour before I had to get ready just so that I can watch ESPN. And so I guess you could say my, my passion pushed further than football. It was just sports, period. And it still is. I mean, every day I listen to sports radio. I follow up on sports that I don't even care about. If I walk into a random guy who loves NASCAR, I could sit down and have a decent conversation with him about NASCAR. Not because I love the sport, but I just love sports. But my dream of playing in the NFL is gone. There, there, there's no way I could achieve that right now. I guess if I went back to school, I got into shape, you know, hopefully I balled out freshman, sophomore year at a JC, and then I got an offer. But by the time that whole thing got through, if I went to a university, I would be a 30-year-old rookie. And a lot of teams aren't going to take chances on you if you're 30 years old because there's guys who are 31, 32 who are about to retire. Think about that. But does that mean it gets to stop me from dreaming and going after something else? No. No, you adapt, you improvise, you overcome. See, a man without a vision is blind. He's just walking. And I don't mean just a man like like a boy, but I mean a person. A person without a vision of where they're going, they're just walking. And where do you end up if you're just walking? Well, you'll never know because you'll never stop at a destination. See, you could just be walking with your eyes closed because you have no vision and you could walk past a gas station that has that gas that you need for your car that's a mile back. Or you could walk past a pot of gold because you're, you're just walking. You have no vision, but if you could open your eyes and you could look left to right and you could see a pile of gold or you could see a gas station or you could see a drinking fountain then you, ha- you, you see where you're supposed to be going or where you could go or what you could do to help your situation. So you should always have a vision of what you want to do or where you want to go. Whether it's huge or little. I'm not one of those persons, like, I, I think one of the stupidest quotes in the world is, shoot for the moon, because even if you miss, you lack some on the stars. To me, that's accepting failure. Shoot for the moon and get to the moon. Like, why are you going to accept failure? Failure shouldn't be an option. Failure can definitely be an outcome of you trying your hardest and pushing yourself. And you gave every bit of energy and strength and blood and sweat to do what you wanted to do. And it was an outcome. But why is it an option? Since when does mediocrity okay When is it an option to fail? When Kobe Bryant steps up to shoot free throws and the game is tied, does Kobe Bryant think, well, if I hit one, at least we'll be ahead by one? No, because only hitting half of your shots is not an option. You got to hit both. Now, if he misses one, He misses one. It's an outcome. But he's not going to sit there at the free throw line and say, all I got to do is hit one. All I got to do is hit one. It was one of the things I hated. There was this running back in high school, and he would always be like, on third and one, because I played fullback. He would tell me, don't go for the big play. Don't go for the big play, Kyle. Just get that one yard. Just get that one yard. And I was a beast. I was big. That's why I played fullback. 
but I was just as fast as him, even though he was a little shiftier than me. I'm like, why am I going to settle for that one yard? I know I could get 10 or 15, or I could break loose and, and run it in. I'm not going to settle for that one yard. I know one yard gets me the first down, but why am I going to settle for that? Why am I going to run hard? Give all my energy, all my strength, every little thing I have, every every piece of my soul for three feet and then be okay with whatever happens after that. You shouldn't be. You know, there's people that like, they want to buy a house and they could be real strict with their budget for, they know like in two years, the market's going to crash. I want to be ready to buy a house. So they'll clean up their credit. They won't spend, they'll stop eating out because we all know that's probably the, the majority of the reason why we're in debt or we live paycheck to paycheck is because we buy you know, $200 worth of groceries, but then we spend $200 on fast food every week. But they'll tighten down and they won't spend any extra money, which is great. But as soon as they buy that house, all their discipline and their spending has just gone right out the window they have no vision after that they got into their house so what's the next thing well a lot of people to a lot of people buying a house is like the end game you know like it's it's not not every 20 year old or 30 year old is able to buy a house my mom didn't buy her first house until she was in her 40s so it could be the end game for a lot of people they don't have no vision. They're like, well, I can't afford two houses. So I'm not going to buy another house. So their vision, it decreases. It disappears. Their dreams are gone. You know? And and so what I wanted to originally talk about was like not letting elements that are out of your control alter your dream. So right now there's an NFL player and I'm sure most Mostly anyone who's going to listen to this probably knows who I'm going to talk about. His name is Shaquem Griffin. He's a starting outside linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, like almost everybody in the NFL who's made it to the NFL, it's an underdog story. Like there are a few people who had their path made and paid for them. Their parents were rich or their parents are ex-NFL players and it didn't matter if they got a scholarship because their parents were going to pay for college no matter what. There's a few of those people. There's not like almost everyone that's made it is an underdog story because a lot of people, they know like that's their only way out. You know, I, I want to feed my family and, and buy my family a nice house and stuff like that. And all I know is I could hoop or I could play ball. So that's how I'm going to do it. So Shaquem Griffin, he was born with his brother. They were twins. His brother was born first. He came out two minutes later. The difference is they're identical. They look exactly alike. You couldn't even tell. Put them both together. Tell me which one's Shaquem and which one's his brother. You wouldn't even know. Except Shaquem only has a right hand. His left arm goes down to around his wrist area, but he has no fingers. He was born with a few digits, but they ended up later on getting them amputated because it just caused him too much pain. That's something he couldn't control. He couldn't decide if his leg was going to be, or if his arm was going to be grown or not. Like, he couldn't choose that. 
If you could, why would you? If I could choose that, then I would have a seven foot wingspan. I would be six foot five, but I am not. One of the faults on my scouting report was that my arms weren't long enough to play at the linebacker position. Because I'm six foot one, but I have like a 5'10 arm length. I have short little arms, kind of like, well, I don't want to relate myself, but like Mike Tyson, that's why he has so much knockout power in those arms, because they're not so lanky. They're short, they're compacted, so they hit quick. They hit hard. There's not a lot of distance the power has to travel. So there's pros and cons to it. I guess maybe I should have taken my passion for football and try to be a boxer. I don't know. I'm too nice. <laughs> I couldn't be a boxer. <laughs> but anyways, that's that's a that's an element that Shaquille couldn't he couldn't control that. But it was held against him his whole life. You know? Every time he got a new coach, he had to start his way from the bottom and and get that coach to trust him. Start off on second strings, special teams. Wait for somebody to get hurt to make it into the starting lineup. His whole life was a true underdog story. You know, at the Combine, he ran a faster 40-yard dash than his brother. And here's the crazy thing. He plays linebacker, and his brother's a corner. See, his brother's position is built on speed. Because corners, they're automatically at a disadvantage. The wide receiver, they're going to always, always, always have the advantage on the corner. It's all about reaction. How fast can you react, and how fast can you recover? So you have to be quick, you have to be athletic, and you have to be fast. Linebackers, speed doesn't hurt them, but they have to have a little bit different athleticism. They have to be able to fight an offensive lineman, get to the quarterback, stop the run, cover a tight end. For me personally, it's the most athletic position on the football field. And I could be biased because that's the position I played and I loved linebacker. That was my favorite position. I hated being on offense. The reason why is because I prefer to hit. I didn't like to be hit. But a linebacker covers everything on the football field. They'll cover a receiver in coverage. It's not always very good, but they'll still do it. They'll cover a tight end. They have to go after the quarterback sometimes. They have Their, their sole job is to stop the run and contain the, the area of play. So the amount of athleticism you have to have to be a good linebacker is just off the charts. And his brother ran a faster 40-yard dash than his, than his, well, than him, I guess. Or, so the, the Shaquem with, le, with missing one arm ran a fasty, faster 40-yard dash than his brother who plays corner. And he led all linebackers in the draft in the 225-pound rep bench press. Now, I've heard some people say it wasn't fair because he had a um, prosthetic arm. So the grip strength wasn't altered. I'm sorry, but you're just one of those people that make excuses. Like if that's what your thing is, like it wasn't fair that he had a prosthetic arm. Like it's not fair that you have an arm. Like what are you trying to say right now? It's not fair that he had a prosthetic arm. Like are you serious? Think about that, man. See, that that's that mentality where where people are like, you know, George only gets gets a shot at the team because of blank, 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 and blank. It's like, shut up and play for it. it. It's a mentality that I didn't have when I was younger. When we moved from West Valley to San Jacinto, I let my move 
dictate how I was treated on the football field. And what I mean by that is a, a coach on the San Antonio football team found out that I was from West Valley. And the first day out there at spring practice, he called me to the side. He was like, hey, so you came from West Valley? I go, yes, sir, I did. And he tells me, boy, I'm going to work that Mustang right out of you. We'll see if you're a real tiger. Now, the fact that you have so much pride in a, in a high school mascot, I mean, that's a whole other story. Like, I, I don't need to really get into that. But when I was a kid, I was like, nah, like, you, you're not, nah, forget you, dude. Like, you, you ain't going to break me. Like, and so that caused me to have zero respect and zero pride. But because I, like, responded to him in that way, it cost me a starting position on the team. And I had to, I had to fight and crawl and dig and scratch and earn every little spot and rep that I got on that team. Now, rightfully so, because everyone should have to go through that struggle. But to be honest with you, I feel like I was one of the top five players on that on that squad and definitely at my position. We had a couple really good wide receivers, but I didn't play wide receiver. We had a really, really big, strong defensive lineman, defensive tackle, big Tongan, bro. He's my oos, you know, to this day. But I didn't play defensive tackle. I was a nasty, athletic, natural instinct linebacker. And to have that in high school is something that most high school coaches would just love and admire. But, but because the way I was approached over my situation... I was like, oh, poor me is my coach doesn't like me because I came from West Valley coach doesn't like me because my parents don't have a lot of money, so they can't pay to the booster club. That's why so-and-so is starting because his his mom and dad gave $500 to the booster club, which to this day I know is true, but I let his situation alter my dream. Does that make sense? Like so many people are worried about what's going on around them. Like you're so you're so upset that Tony got a promotion when every day you show up 10 minutes before Tony, every day you clean up after Tony, every day you're helping Tony out, but he got the promotion because what you've done is gone unseen, but your vision is focused on Tony. Your vision should be focused on you. What could you do to make you better? It's good that you do that stuff for Tony and you should take pride because Tony got that promotion because of you. It's a, it has a lot to do with you. But instead, we are so caught up in what everyone else in the world is doing and not on our own dreams. What's the point of going on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat? Like, wh what do you go on it for? To see what other people are doing. You don't go on there to see what you're doing. That's insanity. Why would you go on there to see... What's new with Kyle? I need you to tell me what's new with me? I definitely don't. And when you go on there to see what people, like how people are doing or what they're up to or what, what's going on with them, you only see the positive things. Sorry about that beep. I don't know if you guys heard it, but this is my first run with this uh, new audio and mixing. So it's going to take a little bit of time, but if you guys are patient with me and you know, things I promise you will get the buzzing out and we'll we'll get a better professional sound. But I, I just wanted to get the first podcast in the books. And to be honest, I'm really only going to go about 10 more minutes. So what I was saying is we're 
we go on Facebook to see what other people are doing, what they're up to, what what's going on with my friend from elementary school. But we only see the positive things. People don't usually post or we see actually, you know what? Let me change that. We see the extremes. We either see the extreme happiness or the extreme sadness. If people are going through a divorce, then you see them bashing each other. If people are getting married, you see their engagement photos. If somebody lost a child, a lot of times they won't be on Facebook. But if they are, it's going to be all about the child that they lost. Which, I mean, rightfully so. There's no discredit to that or disrespect to that, you know. And if somebody is having a baby, usually you're going to see all about the baby. But we don't see the in-between. We don't see just the normal days or the sweatpants, hair tied, chilling with no makeup on days or the I'm just beach bumming it days. We don't really see that because we only feel obligated to post when we're mad, angry, upset, bored, when we're ecstatic or when we want to put on a mask because people think my my marriage is terrible and me and my wife don't get along. So here, let me post a picture of us kissing or smiling so that people could get off our back. That's what we see of other people. And then we compare it to our lives because we know, we know our anxieties, our depressions, our angers, our lacks, our financial stability. We know what we go through on a daily basis. No one else does. So we know all the things that we're going through. We go on Facebook to see what everyone else is going through. Everybody else looks like they're fine and dandy, really, except for your occasional person who's, you know, going through hell. But their life probably isn't as bad as they're saying it is on Facebook, but they just want that sympathy or attention or whatever it is at that time. And we think we have to compete with other people's happiness. And I kind of got off track here. I I really wanted to talk about not letting circumstances you can't control affect your dream. So back to Shaquem Griffin. He didn't make the high school varsity team at first. His brother did. He was playing, you know, and he earned his way on onto that spot. Rightfully so, because his brother even says, my brother is a better athlete than I've ever been. He's better than me in every single way except for one. And we all know what that is. He's smart, too. I mean, when you hear him talk, he's just, he's not one of those um, college football players who got a scholarship and then just had their grades given to them. Like, he's very educated, very smart. He could, he could out-talk me any day. And not that I'm saying I'm like super genius or anything, but I just know he's smart. And then his brother was like a one-star recruit, or five-star recruit, I mean, essentially could have gone to almost any college he wanted to like most colleges wanted him but he told one college look I'll come there but you have to give my brother a scholarship and they ended up doing it because nobody else wanted to give the kid a chance he got to that school I forgot to tell you guys, he's a grade behind his brother because of whatever, you know, he, I'm sure you guys can imagine why he would have to start school a year later. 
So when his brother was a senior in high school, he was a junior. So his brother's freshman year of football, he was a senior in high school. So there's a one-year gap there. He didn't get just put on the team. He got a scholarship, but they weren't like, okay, you're playing. Again, he balled out in high school. Like You could look at his stats, and he's smashing. But because he has one hand... The scouting reports are tainted. Again, it's not something he could control. He gets to college. Same thing. Has to earn his spot on his team. Balls out. Doesn't get, doesn't, or finally makes it onto the starting lineup his senior year, his last year. Makes it, makes it onto the starting lineup. Has a great season. Leads the team to be undefeated. All goes to the combine and destroys in every possible way. Strength, speed, intangibles, linebacker drills, vertical. Everything he did was a lot and was just top-notch, top-ranked. Fastest linebacker in the draft last year. Doesn't get drafted in the first round. And every Todd McShay and Scott Piper scouting report said he's a first round talent he's a first round linebacker he's a first round guy yet no NFL team had the guts to draft him because of something that was out of his control see you could control if you're gonna go smoke weed or sell drugs or murder somebody or drink and drive you control that and It should be hard for you to get into the NFL if you're stupid enough to throw away your dream for a 30-minute high or a 40-minute buzz. If you are dumb enough to hit a woman, rape a woman, drug a woman, you shouldn't be able to make it into the NFL. It should be hard for you. If you're a badass linebacker who's missing a hand, but you're faster and stronger and quicker and just all around better, it should be a cakewalk. But he didn't get drafted until I think it was the third round. But I could say maybe even the fifth. I, and I should have looked it up, but this was kind of spur of the moment. So I'm, I'm a little less prepared. He gets to the Seattle Seahawks, where his brother happens to play there too. Pete Carroll, great, great coach, drafted him. He makes it all the way through OTAs and minicamp and all that, all the way up to the preseason. And this dude in the preseason just looks like another kind of animal because he's playing with the second and third string defenses, which means it's the second and third string offenses. And he don't even look like he belongs on that field. I mean, he's intercepting balls. He's smashing everyone. He's running side to side, just destroying. It, doesn't, it looks like he's playing with like high school kids. At this point, and much respect because just to make it to that level is just insane. Like, the amount of work you have to put in to make it that far is just beyond craziness. So, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody that was on that field with him those days, but he just looked like he was in a a whole league of his own. And when the season started, he didn't make the starting lineup. 
He made the team. But he didn't make the starting lineup. And you know what happened? He made the best of his opportunities. The first game, he was just cracking dudes on special teams. He got a couple of reps on on um, defense. And he was in the, engaged in the play every single time. It took him a little while to get going. You know, because a lot of people doubted him. Even after he was balling out in high school. Even after he was balling out in college. And even after he went to the combine and destroyed every other every uh, measurable and intangible just owned everything he was just smashing and then he comes to to the NFL and balls out in the preseason just looked like he didn't even belong with the people that he was on the field with and he doesn't make the starting lineup but he didn't let that stop him he still went after it he's still chasing his dream and he made it worth his while He went out there and tried as hard as he can. And he's averaging like two or three tackles a game right now. Solo. He started a couple games. He's kind of floating back around in and, in and out of the starting lineup. But he's achieved the most as an individual you can achieve in the NFL. He made it there. See... The highest achievement in the NFL for an individual is not the MVP. It's not winning the Super Bowl. It's not winning the Super Bowl MVP. Because it takes people to help you out. Tom Brady needs someone to catch the ball. We all learned that in, in the Super Bowl last year. He can't catch a ball himself. Adrian Peterson needs a left tackle. To throw that block for him to break out of that line. See, everybody is accountable to somebody on that football field. But getting there, despite every challenge that has come your way, despite every guy who told you you weren't going to make it because you aren't big enough, you're not strong enough, you're not fast enough, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, you don't have an arm, Shaquem Griffin, how about this one, Ray Lewis, too little, didn't have natural instincts. How about this one? Brian Dawkins had no hunt for the ball, was lost on plays, wasn't aggressive enough. These are guys who let what people said about them fuel them. See, when people say something about you, 
there's two ways that you can have that affect you. One, you could let it be water. Or two, you could let it be gas. Now, if you're on fire and you're tracing your dream and you have a vision of where you're going, when somebody says something to you and you allow it to be water, you will let them shut you down so fast to where it will set you back way before. You could be rocking and rolling on your dream, making moves, making decisions. You're going. You don't see nothing else. And you let one person say something to you and you let it affect you like water and you will be back at square one. You'll be starting over every little thing that you've done. Or two, you let it be gasoline. Please tell me I can't do it. Please tell me I'm not smart enough. Please tell me I'm not talented enough because the more you doubt me, the more I'm going to make you regret every little thing you say because you have no power to doubt me. But go ahead. If you like being wrong, and really, who likes being wrong? But if you like being wrong, please doubt me because that's going to be a fire. And I promise you, one day, it's going to burn you because you're going to try to say something to me. Hey, can you help me with this? Hey, I need this. Hey, I need this. And then you're going to remember the fire, the, you try to throw water on my fire. But instead, I pulled some magic stuff and I let that be gas. And I let it fuel me. See, that's my challenge for you guys this week. Whatever your dream is, write it down. And forget of what everyone else is going, what's going on in everyone else around you. Forget the people getting promotions. Forget the people who get the work trucks, the gas cards. Forget about those things. Don't let things that you can't control stop you from achieving your dream. If Shaquem Griffin can make it to the NFL with one arm, why can't you start that business? Why can't you start that company? Why can't you join the military? Why can't you go out to the police force? Why can't you do what it is your dream is for you to do? There is no reason. Well, I don't have a college education. Then go get one. If that's what whatever your dream is needs, it needs a college education, then go get one. Well, I don't have my high school diploma. Then go get your GED. See, it all starts somewhere. You got to make moves. Don't make excuses. Make moves. Choose your dream. A lot of people will go day to day, sitting in traffic, just working, coming home, going to sleep, waking up, going to work, sitting in traffic, coming home, day after day after day after day. And by the time it's time to retire, they have no value of life. And all the time they thought about the things I could have done, I should have done, I wish I would have done. Don't be that person. It is never too late for you. Chase your dream.